We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, August 8th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Um, back with me after what, a couple of weeks, three weeks, is Jim Coventry. Yeah. How you doing, man? Doing well. I'm great, um, and I'm happy to be back. Very excited to work with you. I had a blast last time. So everybody, just for your background. Um, I prepare a lot of notes before we do these every day, sort of say, hey, here's the discussion topics um, and share them with the guests. And, you know, they chip in and all that. It's, this is the opposite. When I have when Jim comes on, Jim's like, hey, here's like 90 guys I'd really love to talk about. So it works out. It's, it's easy for me. Frankly, if he was on every day, I would I would have a lot easier job, I think. So thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Happy to help. <laughs> all right. Um, one of the guys so we're going to cover a lot of positions today. One of the guys you wanted to talk about, some of the guys you want to talk about are under the radar, let's say, like guys, sleepers, late round guys. And one of the guys you wanted to talk about was Quincy Inunua. And then disaster struck. Quincy Inunua out for the season with a neck injury. You're bummed, I guess. I was very bummed. And actually, um, somebody had just put up, actually Derek Van Riper had put up a, a poll on Twitter of what guy outside the top 75 would end up as a top 25 player. And I sent back Anunwa if his neck checks out. Yeah. 
And it didn't. No, it didn't. All right, so now, looking at the season, I mean, you, everything you read about the Jets is, is just disastrous. It's, this is the worst NFL roster in 15 years kind of stuff. Not just, hey, the Jets are not good. And I don't know how much is the, you, things can get exaggerated with the, with the big market teams, particularly the New York teams. And that can go for both good and bad things. Are, are you looking at, if you're the type of guy who streams defenses in fantasy football, do you just, basically, do you sit back and say, you know, I'm going to let everybody take the Broncos and the Seahawks and whatever, and I'm, I'm going to take the Bills because they play the Jets in week one? Yeah, it's a great point that you make. What I learned from DFS is when I would put in the lower price defenses, and there would be some great matchups, like when the Browns were really, really, really bad, and I would try to play somebody against them, it never seemed to work out. And I always wondered if defenses come in knowing they're playing a bad offense, and they tend not to play their A game. So that always worries me. So here's what I say. Sure, stream them if you don't have another option. But if you have a strong defense, definitely play the strong defense over them. But the other thing about streaming is you'll have to be the first guy to pounce on that defense each week because other people may be targeting the exact same thing. Right. And I think it depends on the league, but I think so. I think you're in, in your more casual leagues, you have people more willing to line up early to take the, you know, Broncos, Seahawks, Texans, teams like that. Um, but And also, one of the things with the bad defenses, no matter how bad the Jets might be, you might have the, you might have the Bills up 24 to nothing at halftime if the Jets are as bad as we think, and then the Jets spend the whole second half throwing, and they're bound to get something. So that, that's exactly the, too. Yeah, the garbage time production does happen. Now, of course, when that happens, more sacks and interceptions come about. Yes. So I do, I do agree with you. I think it's a great point. Streaming against the Jets is clearly something that could benefit. Um, again, but it's if you're the guy who's able to get to it in casual leagues, like you said, that would work out. So, yeah, overall, great idea. All right, and just so everybody knows, the Jets' first four games at Buffalo, at Oakland, versus Miami, and versus, Jack- versus Jacksonville, um, the Raiders are going to be tough to get. I think the Jags might be tough to get. That's a frisky defense that, that we're looking at here. I think that, that's going to be one of those that, that – it, it depends on who you are if it's going to sneak up on you, right? Right, and I think the Jaguars ultimately will be drafted in most leagues. I'm seeing them get drafted. Now, what I'm also noticing is end of last season, and I tell you, I watch all the games, so I really try to be in tune with this, and overall people said, well, the Jags weren't good last year. True, but their defense significantly improved as the season went on, and now they added excellent players and uh, and free agency, and some of the rookies – are going to grow up another year. This defense, I, I can't see how they don't end up top 10. I right. don't see it. I agree with you. Everybody, we'd like to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. You can sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football, rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Also, we encourage you to check out check us out on Twitter. Jim is at Jim Cov Football. It's Jim C-O-V Football. I'm at Halpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL or find us on Facebook. Uh, we're going to cover all the positions again today. Jim, Jim, who is your who is your QB1, Brady or Rodgers? Yes, great question. And I can't fault anybody going either way, but I'm going to go with Brady this year, and here's why. 
the Patriots have always been good about finding a way to put stress on defenses. They started out years ago when Aaron Hernandez and Graf were playing, and, and then it became realized that defenses can't deal with the two tight ends. Very difficult to deal with. So now what they're doing is they let LeGarrette Blunt go. Now all of a sudden they have these versatile running backs in the backfield. They brought in Burkhead, and now Deion Lewis returns, James White, kind of broke out a little bit last year. And I don't know that Gillisley is as multidimensional, but I think what Belichick wants to do is he wants to put complete stress in the defense. And Brady is going to have literally somebody open on almost every play because of the type of dynamic weapons they have, and defenses will not know how to deal with them. So I could see Brady putting up a historical season here. Okay, historical season. Better than 28-2 and two over 12 games. Like you know what? I, and boy, I hate to use hyperbole here, but I think it's well within the realm for him to hit 50 touchdowns. And I don't know if he really wants to go after Manning's record of 55, but with the offense he has and the inability defenses will have to slow them down, if he wants to push that record, he can. Wow. All right. That's big. Um, down the ladder a little bit from those two are down next, I guess, is Drew Brees. Is Drew Brees ever going to get old? You know what? Some people may say in the last five games of last season, he began to get old. Listen to this for a moment. Here are his last five games. Touchdowns. Zero, zero, four, one, and two. Let's go a little further now. Through the first 11 games of last year, his completion rate was 71.8. And in the previous Four years, it was 68. But in the last four or five games of last season, 64%. By far his worst performance in four years and an exponential drop-off from the beginning of the season last year. Now, the thing I worry about with Breeze is this. His arm strength to the boundaries has been going for a couple of years. It's getting worse. He has been smart enough to keep the ball over the middle of the field. But I think defenses started to adjust to that late last season, and they began to put a little more pressure in the middle of the field, which tightened up the passing lanes and made it more difficult for him to be successful. Right. And at age 38 now, there are very, very few quarterbacks in history who have put up solid efforts at that age. There are a few, but it's a very, very small number. This could be the year he begins to get old. All right. So, so he's not going to be on any of your teams. As always, if the price is right, but it usually isn't. If he right. fell far enough, certainly I would. But typically where I'm drafting a quarterback, he's the third off the board. So, no, I won't own him in any leagues, I don't think. Okay. Uh, last one. we got to talk about Jay Cutler. Um, signed with the Dolphins. Oh, okay. First question. Will he be better, worse, or similar compared to Brian Tannehill? I believe the overall numbers will be very similar. This became a run-based offense last season. And when Cutler was with Adam Gase in 2015, it was a similar run-heavy offense. Now, Cutler was managed quite well, and he threw 21 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Um, those numbers will be pretty similar to what they're going to do in Miami this year. Maybe a little more upside for touchdowns. They have better receivers than the Bears had them. 
So I see it as a pretty lateral move in terms of the quarterback play. They're both going to be quarterback twos, whether it was Tannehill before he was injured or Cutler now, but, 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 but decent quarterback twos. Not great, but maybe about quarterback 20, 21. Right. Okay. That's not bad. That's, no, not at all. Um, so, so what do you think it does for the supporting? I mean, you, you talked about the – I mean, the running game probably pretty similar, I would guess. The passing game, though. Um, oh, this is a massive difference. Go ahead, John, with your for, question. I cut you off. For who in particular? For, for one, I mean, basically, your two receivers there that you've got to worry about. I, I don't know that, you know, we need to talk too much about Julius Thomas, but um, for Parker or Landry, how do you think this affects them? Oh, I see this as a massive change, and I think the astute fantasy managers are going to get on this one in a hurry. I believe that Jarvis Landry had an outstanding chemistry with Tannehill because he became Tannehill's security blanket. And so all the targets that went to Landry were based out of that relationship they had. And also Tannehill wasn't the great downfield passer. But even though I think the numbers of Cutler and Tannehill would be similar, Cutler has always leaned on his alpha receiver, Brandon Marshall, Elshon Jeffrey. He tends to like to throw the ball to the guy that can go up and get it. Well, that's perfect for Devontae Parker, especially with the constant drumbeat throughout the offseason that he's breaking out a bit, he's learning his craft, he's ready to move forward. So I would significantly downgrade Landry. And I would actually draft now Parker at least a round before I would have looked at him before. A full round before. Okay, so Parker, we're going to look at this right now. Parker, ADP-wise, is 36th at wide receiver. And this is MFL ADPs going, let's say, toward the end of the seventh. So you're seeing profit there. I do. I absolutely do. Because, like I said, especially the way Cutler's profile has been over the years, this lines up perfectly with it. Cutler, if he was in a pass-heavy offense, he did use an Eddie Royal in the past in the slot way early in his career with Denver at one year when Royal had like 90 catches. But other than that, if, if Cutler is in a, a run-based offense, he will look to the outside receiver. That is where he always tends to go. So, yeah, I see this as a huge value for fantasy owners right now. All right. By the way, I loved Cutler's line yesterday was that he didn't need to be in good cardiovascular shape because he's just a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I, I didn't hear that one. I love now. that guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Everybody, we got to thank our friends. Yeah, that's a great quote. Yep. We got to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form, where there's no such thing as an excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play, easy to use on a desktop or mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today at rotowire.com slash yahoo and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. The Yahoo Fantasy app messenger lets you have all the witty banter and smack talk your league can muster. The app is just as extensive as the desktop experience, letting you draft, trade, and comb waiver options right on your phone. It gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo where you can manage your league dues for free. For free. That's a pretty good deal, managing your league dues, because unless people are paying up front, you've got to chase people. It's, it's annoying. As a, as a many, many, many-time commissioner, Jim, as you can probably attest... That's pretty nice. Yes. So, 
All right, sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. That's rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football, feel the wins. Okay, um, you, we're going to talk about running backs a little bit. You wrote something about David, John, David Johnson and Bust in the same sentence. Is that right? Yeah. Can you explain this? Yes, to me? And, and I think some people are going to hate me or if they read it, they probably already do. Um, Tim Heaney with Rotowire, he and I were talking, and I ended up writing a blog piece about why David Johnson could bust this year. Now, it, the article started out because I had the first pick in a draft, and I realized everybody's taking David Johnson. But I wanted to dig a little deeper before I just took him over Le'Veon Bell. And here are some things that I uncovered about Johnson. He began to wear down with a heavy workload last year. And here's what I looked at. In the first 12 games last year, he averaged 4.4 yards per carry. Fantastic. But the last four games of the season after he had a heavy workload went all the way down to 3.6. So a full 0.8 yards per carry fell. That was the first thing I saw. But the second thing was the Cardinals had a good offensive season last year. They were sixth in scoring. And because of their high-scoring offense, Johnson piled up 20 touchdowns, and that also made him an elite fantasy performer. But I'm very concerned about the Cardinals' offense as a whole with regression this year. Palmer's 38 now. And he's been showing signs the last couple of years, although he's put up some good numbers, it looks like the bottom's getting ready to fall out on him as well. He had his lowest completion percentage since 2011 last year, and also a four-year low, 7.1 yards per pass attempt. And if that offense is predicated on the deep passing game, but he's not passing the ball deep anymore, teams in the offseason will have figured this out. Let me add one more thing. Larry Fitzgerald, although he put up good numbers in each of the last two years, he faded horribly in each of the last two years. And I think because of his age, I think it was hard for him to be dominant for a full season. But as he's 35 now, I could see that being a full season fade. So if defenses come in and they are going to look to lock down on David Johnson, first he's not going to have the benefit of defenses playing more open to deal with the deep passing game. And then I hear Bruce Arians saying he wants to give Johnson more carries than he can handle. But I saw how he started to regress as the season went on. So I think the whole picture is, sure, you're still going to take him high in a draft, but I recommend if somebody buys the case that I'm making that draft Johnson – and try to trade him for a package if you believe that he could have the bust potential going this year. And by bust, I mean he'll still finish as a top 10 guy no matter what. But if you could get a package for him where people are paying for him to be the, the easily number one player, it's something to consider. Right. All right. Um, I see where you're going. I've actually been talking to people recently about how – the, the the choice between Johnson and Bell is not as clear cut as I feel like a lot of people are making it out to be. Correct. So and and workload wise, Bell just gets a ton. What did he average? Twenty eight touches a game last year, something like that, which is more than Johnson did. Yes, and and the beauty with Bell, and I know he can always get a suspension. He's one step away from being on the shelf for a long time. But the Steelers' offense is so diverse that he will never be like shut down because they can use him as a receiver. They can use him in any way, but defenses, except for the, maybe a team like the Patriots, that can really figure out some things. 
defenses aren't equipped to deal with the diversity of the Steelers' offense. Right. All right. Um, another guy, you said you want to talk about LaShawn McCoy. You feel like people are too – okay, ADP, he's wide receiver six. I've got – sorry, running back six. I've got him at fourth. You feel like people are down on him a little bit? Well, the fact that he's running back six, I'm seeing running backs going ahead of him, and, and it's not making sense to me, and here's why. First of all, let's just look to last year. It, it, he runs with a mobile quarterback, which we remember from the days of Alfred Morris, how well he did with RG3, and that's just like one case in point. But when you have a mobile quarterback, it puts a lot of stress on defenses, and therefore running backs can tend to do better in an offense like that. And he had a career high, McCoy, 5.4 yards per carry last year, and Mike Gillisley had 5.7. I think it was a combination of a very good offensive line, but having that mobile quarterback. And that wasn't a fluke by McCoy to put up that kind of season because in that offense, it to me, it's an easy repeat. The other thing is I, I, I'm hearing this talk about, well, he has so many career touches. He's 28 years old. I don't buy that argument because he's never been a power back. He's been a shifty back, and he frequently avoids big hits. So he's not the guy that has these huge knocks and dings throughout a season. Um, so I think that his career will go typically to 30 as most do. So I don't think that's an issue. Let me add one more thing. People, I think, underestimate his career to date. Yeah. He averages 109 total yards per game. And in a 16-game career average, he averages 54 receptions and 11.72 touchdowns over a 16-game season. Right. He's as elite as they come. But yet people are making him RB6. Yeah, I love him. And do, you yeah. think, do you think the offensive coordinator change, um, I mean, helps, hurts, no big effect? I mean, maybe style-wise effect, but production-wise. Well, they're already talking about getting him more passing attempts, and he's proven to be a dynamic receiver throughout his whole career. So if he gets an uptick in targets, and I know most leagues are PPR, that would be even a bigger boost to him at that point. So I'm really excited for him. And, again, with the mobile quarterback, he's still going to get the carries. He's the lead dog in that backfield. So despite any type of play calling that's different, and they want to go more zone-based, I heard, this year. But that fits right in the McCoy sweet spot because of his ability to be able to you know, stop on a dime and change direction. So, yeah, I think, I think he could actually do better than he did last year. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about a guy you mentioned uh, that it, it, whose fantasy stock is going up and up and up. Mike Gillisley in New England is RB21 by ADP, and he's going in, let's say, the, probably six rounds. His ADP is 68 overall. Um, are you... Are you buying that basically the word we use in August is helium sometimes, that the guy's rising and rising and rising. Are you buying this rise? Or I, I, I get that he's probably the early down back, but I'm worried at all, at, at all the other running backs there that I, I, feel like, I feel like the floor is a little lower in Gillisley than some other people do. I totally agree with you. There's one thing I want to add to this argument to kind of support what you're saying. So – I've heard all this talk about, well, he's going to take over the LeGarrette Blunt role, which was 1,160 yards and 18 touchdowns. Well, the truth of that was it was a career year for Blunt and that running attack. In the last 
prior to last year, the 32 games that Blunt had played in that offense, the full season average was 878 yards and 7.5 touchdowns. Far cry from what he had last year. Yeah. And if Blunt is only going to, I'm sorry, if Gillisley is only going to get 70% of the Blunt roll or 60%, then we're looking at a back with maybe 600 yards and four touchdowns, maybe five touchdowns. Do you think five? Think to, I mean, if the Patriots are going to score that many touchdowns, wouldn't you think that there's? I understand what you're saying about Blunt, but wouldn't you think that there's going to be more for him? Probably, but maybe, you're saying not necessarily is probably where. No, you're I, I, yeah, because I think what I'm saying is the Patriots' offense, other than last year, has proven that that role is good. But last year was an anomaly. They've never been close to those kinds of numbers out of that that part that the power runner or that rushing attack. Right. All right. Um, everybody, yes, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be owning in in leagues. Let's say deeper than you know, four, 13, 14 players, something like that, and maybe even then, I'm gonna be owning a lot of Rex Burkhead, a lot, and I'll take my shot at it. And if I have to cut him, I'll cut him. But I I just you know I see a path here is what I keep saying. You know, I don't know that it's a likely path, but I see a path. Um, we talked about the Jets earlier. Bilal Powell, if the Jets are as bad as we think, and Matt Forte's still there and he can catch the ball, is Bilal Powell going to catch a ton of passes? He kind of has to. And if we look back even the last four games of each of the last two seasons, in each of those seasons, the Jets went to him at the end of the season. And so last year... He averaged six receptions a game over the last four games of the year, and he averaged 138 total yards. Go back to 2015 when they used him at the end of the season, and he averaged eight receptions per game, scored three touchdowns, and he averaged 90 yards a game. He was easily a running back one in the last four games of each of the last two seasons when they leaned on him quite a bit. And now he seems he's going to get that treatment for the whole season. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Forte, I mean, what happens to Forte? Does he not disappear, but is he the sidekick? He has to be because his performance fell off terribly last year. He was the classic 30 year old running back fall off. He had a lot of career hits, carries, and the bears let him go and they didn't think twice about it. Right. And, and he was not afraid. The first couple games he did great. And after that, he wasn't getting any yards after contact. He, he just looked like a beaten down man at that point. And as the season went on, then he got nicked up with his knees a little bit. And well, Powell simply outproduced him. And I don't know how they go away from him, especially with Forte being another year older. Right. Okay. Um, all right. Same stadium, Paul Perkins. It's funny. Every time that I, I, I start going through players that I want to talk about. And every time I get to Paul Perkins, I, and I grew up a Giants fan, and I get to Paul Perkins, I go, eh, I don't want to talk about Paul Perkins. He's boring. You know, he's, a, he, he's, he's kind of, a, a, let's say, smallish, two-down two down back on a team that doesn't have a good offensive line and is going to throw a bunch and blah. But now I look and I go, 30th running back off the board. Uh, maybe. What do you think of Paul Perkins? Yeah, there's some value to be had there. And when we talked a few weeks ago, we talked about the Bengals with their bad line. Well, the Giants have tipped their hand. They went out and they drafted Evan Ingram. 
And he's not a classic tight end. He's he's a more of a slot receiver. And they brought Brandon Marshall in, and they already have holdover Sterling Shepard to go with Odell Beckham. It's very obvious that they're going to go into a spread offense to throw the ball quickly to get the ball out of Manning's hands. And Manning last year, he was horrible on deep passes, but he was still strong on passing to the shorter areas of the field. So anyway, my point is this. They're going to spread it, and that gives Perkins natural running lane because the defenses have to put extra defensive backs in. they got to take a, um, a potential box stuffer out, and so that gives him room to run. Now, he ended last year strong. He did. In his last four games last year, he had 15 and a half carries per game and 4.37 yards per carry. Certainly not bad numbers at all. And he scored a pair of touchdowns. Right. He doesn't catch the ball. I mean, that's like you said, there's value. He's not where he's being drafted. He doesn't have to be perfect. Correct. All right. Um, last running back I want to talk about. I, I know I've been talking about Dalvin Cook way too much lately, but uh, Latavius Murray off the pup list. Because part of the Dalvin Cook argument has been, well, Murray's hurt. Well, now Murray's, Murray's back, and it's only August 8th, so we're probably okay there. Not, that doesn't mean Murray, you know, that, that doesn't mean anything necessarily for the roles, but it does mean Murray's back in the mix. Um, Cook at RB16, I keep saying too rich for my blood. Do you agree? I do. Um, well, I, I do not. I like Cook. I will draft Cook, and here's why. Latavius Murray, the Raiders let him walk and didn't think twice about mm-hmm. it. He was behind a fantastic offensive line, and he averaged exactly four yards a carry in each of the last two seasons. Now, any running back who is even slightly above average behind that line with a diverse passing attack should have been able to run for at least four and a half yards per carry. Right. Murray's just a guy. And all the touchdowns he got, sure, from the one-yard line behind that line, of course, you or I could lean forward, and we got a decent chance of cracking the goal line. <laughs> okay. Maybe not, but I like, I like to think that. I do, too. Way. Yeah, I don't now, know. Like I said, I don't love Murray. I just think, uh, you know, it, he's, he's there. Short yardage, you can see him running. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think the price on Cook's too much. Well, I, I do believe me. I do understand what you're thinking because – we, we see competition, and we're worried about potential touches. But let's look at Minnesota's offensive line. It was horrendous last year. But the one thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is they had some of the worst injury luck of, along the offensive line of any team in the league. They brought in a couple new linemen. They're healthier this year. Their line could be below average, which isn't bad because compared to last year when they were horrendous, now, the difference between Cook and Murray, and again, Cook's a rookie, so we haven't seen him in an NFL game yet, but Cook was drafted because of his ability to be a playmaker, lateral agility, be able to create some of his own space. Murray's not able to do that. But if Cook even has a decent line behind him, there's no reason why he can't put up big numbers in that offense. Right. Right. And if Murray can't create his own space, how is he going to continue to get touches? That's fair. All right. Um, plus, I've been a charter member of the Jarek McKinnon fan club for a while, so I'm just having a hard time <laughs> letting you go, too. Oh, uh, right. that's nice. 
Everybody, Odd and New Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like an NFL GM. It's better fantasy football, auction-based, deep rosters, college players in the player pool. You can stash college prospects for the future, trade for superstars to make a championship push, and develop your team over multiple seasons. You can also play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. It's Odd and New Fantasy Football, O-T-T-O-N-E-U, oddandnewfootball.com. Wide receivers up. Um, Tom Savage looks like the starting quarterback for the Texans, at least for a while. Um, yes. DeAndre Hopkins is going as wide receiver 11. Uh, what do you think of that investment? It's a little high. I'd like to get him to be fell to about wide receiver 14. In his three games with Savage last year, he averaged 11 targets, six receptions, and 84 yards. So pretty he good. put up. Go, go ahead, John. That's pretty good. It really it is good. It was very good. And two of the games are good, and one of the game was only 40 yards. But he had um, over 100 yards in one game. He had 80 in the other game. And, again, the 40-yard game kind of, you know, was the one outlier from there. But Hopkins has been vocal about wanting to make sure that Savage is their quarterback. Apparently, he realizes, A, Savage can get him the ball, and, B, Savage will pepper him with targets. Again, saying 11 targets per game over three games. And so – assuming Savage can get him the ball as he did last year and maybe even even building a little chemistry with this year's training camp. Yeah, I don't see why those numbers can't be better. Again, wide receiver 11, a little higher than I'd like. Not really enough of a discount from last year. But if he fell to 14, yeah, I think so. Think about there, it'd be fine. Yeah, he's, he's sort of end of round two, it looks like, is what we have here. So, okay. Yeah, if he fell into the third, I'd feel a little better value with that pick. But I wouldn't say somebody's crazy if they took him at one. Well, obviously, people are taking him there with his average draft position being at 11. So they're not crazy, but if he fell to that third round, even better value. All right. Um, you mentioned we were talking about the Cardinals a little while ago. You talked about David Johnson's workload and Fitz being old and all that stuff. Um, John Brown, last year, injury just injuries killed him. And sometimes you hesitate about a guy with injuries. It sounds like John Brown is healthy. And the year before last, he was pretty good. He was over 1,000 yards. He's basically their, their main deep threat. Um, ADP is wide receiver 45 going, let's say, ninth or 10th. Uh, that, that sounds like the price is right to me. Are you going to own some John Brown? Yeah, and at that price, that, you make the good point of saying at his price. What I think is I, somebody would be wise to take him there, but I think what people are expecting is they're expect, expecting this huge breakout season from him. And if they're counting on that, I don't know that that comes. Because in 2015, the year you were referencing, he got 65 passes, 1,003 yards, and seven touchdowns. But that offense was humming on all cylinders. Yep. I think Floyd was even playing well. Fitz was still playing well. And so Brown was a guy the defenses couldn't put a lot of attention on. Well, now Fitz is a slot receiver. Alongside Brown, there's really not much to scare defenses. So if I'm game planning, I'm shading the safety to Brown because I don't worry about Fitz breaking big plays anymore. So and I also worry, as I said earlier, about Palmer's 7.1 yards per attempt being the lowest in quite a while that he's had. 
And at 38 years old, I just think that he's not the same guy he was. So where Brown is going, it's, it's a fair ADP. But a lot of people are talking about John Brown being the savior this year. I don't think he can outdo that 1,000-yard season with seven touchdowns because the whole scenario of that offense is different now. I think 800 yards and five touchdowns, and if somebody knows they're getting that, then I'm good with it. But they think they're getting an increase because he's healthy and that 1,000 yards is the beginning of things to come. I think they're, they might be disappointed. Okay, that's fair. Um, so John Brown, people talking about, you know, suspecting breakout. Pierre Garçon is a different kind of guy. He's sort of a, uh, as I said to someone, I think uh, on Monday's podcast, um, Matt Harmon from NFL, I said, sometimes I fall into the trap of, well, someone's got to catch the ball for that team. Pierre, Pierre Garçon, he's going off the board as wide receiver 39. Um, the guy's not going to get, you know, 15 yard to catch or anything like that, but PPR-wise, he's probably going to rack up some receptions, right? Oh, absolutely. He's played 26 games under Kyle Shanahan during his career. And over his full season average in those 26 games, 96 receptions, 1,216 yards. And it's been with some spotty quarterback play. He's played to Brian Hoyer in the past, actually. Now, Hoyer knows this offense, as does Garcon, so the chemistry should go very well. And Hoyer, as we've seen in the last couple of years, he will clearly lean on his top target. So taking Garcon's numbers with Shanahan, so maybe he doesn't get the 96 for 1,216 yards, but 85 for 1,050, yeah, I could see that. I could see that too. Yeah, it's, it's not sexy, but as for your third wide receiver, it's not horrible at all. Um, okay. For the Bears, look over the Bears. It's another team with, you know, we're, we're into that area. Again, I, t- I talked Monday with Matt Harmon about the whole, this whole idea of, you know, are you, how, how much do you avoid players on teams with bad quarterbacks? Um, and the Bears, first of all, is Mike Lennon a bad quarterback? I don't think he is. I think he's a slightly below average quarterback. He was just starting to learn his craft with Tampa Bay before they drafted Winston. But I didn't see Glennon as one of these horrible liability guys. I saw him as a guy who was good at his craft and maybe even learning to improve. Okay. So do you think – okay, second question. It's, it's hard to really you know, see into the crystal ball, but if the Bears are 2-6, and six, do you think they're going to put Trubisky in? From all the talk from their camp, I don't see it. I really think they're committed to giving him at least most of a season to let him learn, not throw him into the fire, and let him be ready when he gets out on the field. Now, maybe the last three or four games of the season, it's possibly make that decision he's ready for that. I don't think they're going to go down that road. They seem very committed this year to Glennon. All right. And in camp, go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead. And in camp, I mean, the early reports have been solid on Glennon. He's had really good chemistry with Meredith. We'll talk about him in a moment. But um, from what I'm also hearing, Trubisky's going through the natural growing pains of a young quarterback, and I think they're, they're good with that. They're, they're ready you know, to let him learn at his own pace. At least he can break a huddle. Did you see that story about Christian <laughs> Hackenberg? 
<laughs> oh my gosh, he got kicked out of practice, right? He got kicked off the field because he broke the huddle wrong twice in a row. I mean, and that's just, you know, first of all, you say that's so Jets. And, uh, and then second, you say, you know, it's probably, there, there's some exaggeration. It's, it, I can't imagine it's as bad. Christian Hackenberg could be as bad as he doesn't know how to get out of the huddle as, as he is a professional quarterback and was a highly recruited Division One guy. But it doesn't sound like things are going well on that front. Let's, no, let's just no. say that. They're in trouble. So those Bears wide receivers, um, would you rather take the swing at Kevin White or at Cam Meredith? I cannot take the swing at Kevin White. What I saw last year when I watched him play, they were throwing him a lot of short targets. And there was no explosiveness once he caught the ball. He wasn't able to shake a defender. He was pretty much tackled you know, right away. And he doesn't seem to have made any progress. And that's largely probably due to the injuries not being on the field. So, no, I, I can't take a shot on Kevin White because even the way they used him last year, I just don't see how he makes this jump to even being a good NFL receiver. Okay. But Cam Meredith, do you want to take the late-round swing at him? Um, ADP-wise, let's see here. He is going um, late. Let's say late. thirty, Actually, 38th. So he's going um, right in the range where Garcon is, uh, which is probably 7th, 8th. Meredith ends up on most of my teams this year. And what I saw last year was there were seven games in which the Bears threw him at least six targets. In those games, he averaged seven receptions, 90 yards, and 0.42 touchdowns. And that was with bad quarterbacks. So the fall-off to Glennon, you know, he had um, he had Hoyer, which I know I you know Hoyer in the right system, fine. But he had a few different quarterbacks that were, were not very strong. And yet when they targeted him, his numbers were fantastic. Yep. And, and this year, he's clearly the lead guy. Elshon Jeffrey's gone. So Meredith should be getting at least that amount of targets. And, and, and I say, why not? Odds are they're going to have to throw the ball quite a bit. And if Meredith is proven to be the lockdown number one guy, yeah, I'll take a shot on him. Glennon will get him the ball. F- final four games of the season, 28 receptions for Cam Meredith last year. Yeah. Um, continuing our bad quarterback segment <laughs> and the wide receivers who love them. Um, who, who's going to – does someone need to produce for the Rams? Um, Robert Woods is there. Tavon Austin's there. And once again, we're hearing, oh, we're going to use Tavon Austin more, folks. Don't you worry. <laughs> and we heard this last year. What did Jeff Fisher say? He was going to catch 100 passes last year? Yeah, some hyperbole like that. Wow. So, so that was you, not good. What do you got there? I mean, both of them – are, I mean, late guys, right? I mean, absolutely. They're late round guys. What do you do with them? Austin, at this point, I mean, how do we not say he's a bust? I don't know how. I mean, he seems to be a gadget guy at best, and if they get a gadgety play, it might work out, and he ends up doing a little something with it. But they're talking about putting him in the Deshaun Jackson role. Well, he's not Deshaun Jackson, and if he was, they probably would have figured that out a year or two ago. So I'm going to avoid him. But I actually do like Robert Woods, especially where he's going in drafts. He has shown glimpses in his years with Buffalo. There were, he played two games with E.J. Manuel, and it was two years ago. They didn't play together last year. And the first game, he had four receptions for 47 yards, nothing great. But Sammy Watkins was out the second game, and he went nine for 84 and a touchdown. There's another thing I want to focus on with Woods. In the last three years, again, in, in not a good passing offense, but he had eight games of at least 70 yards. 
and he also had games with 102, 116, and 162. This is all scattershot, but he's shown that when he's put into a position and he's given some targets, he can be productive. He and go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say and, the thing with him is it it some guy. It depends on the role with some guys, and he's not that fast. He's not that big, and when you entrust him with more responsibility, I, again, we're not asking for the moon here. For, with this guy, if we draft him, we're drafting him very late and we're hoping he has some, you know, some big hits and you're probably not going to plan to start him in week one. Let's put it that way. But, but when you entrust a guy like that with a bigger role than he's probably suited for, are you just kind of setting yourself up for disappointment? I like that argument, John. I, I think it's very fair. Definitely agree with that. They're going to ha- every team is going to get at least 3000 passing yards. Yeah. I, I mean, that's less than 200 yards a game. They're going to get that. I imagine that when defenses come in to play the Rams, they're going to come in and they're going to stack the box to stop Gurley because he's the only guy they're potentially worried about. And so I think the receivers get a lot of single coverage. And knowing that receivers will flip sides of the field, it's not like Woods is going to be consistently locked up on a number one corner. There'll be times in the slot. He'll be times on the other side of the field. And, And I would imagine with his experience, he gets more target significantly more than the young guys that are breaking like Cooper Cup, um, the tight ends, you guys are still breaking in. So I think based on volume and like you said, most importantly, where he's being drafted, your wide receiver five or six, you know what? He's a guy you can plug in for a bye week or if there's an injury. Okay. I think there's a little bit of value there. And Sean McVay talking up Cooper Cup, by the way. Sure. Yeah. As he should. He has a really good pedigree and, and I think he'll eventually be a really good receiver. I don't know that to be in his rookie year, but yes, he'll definitely be someone special. All right. Um, everybody, we recommend that you go to another one of our sponsors, fantasysportsmarkets.com. Fantasy Sports Markets has the best DFS contests available with cash awards and big bonus prizes every day. As always with Fantasy Sports Markets, there are no salary caps. Draft who you want on your roster. So I can do David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, right? So Love that. That's pretty cool. That's, that sounds like a fun way to spend a, a Sunday. Try the free-to-enter preseason football contest. The prize is a copy of Madden 18. As I said yesterday, i got to get my son to sign up for this. He's going to get all fired up. Register today and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to get $15 in promotional credit towards your contest entries. Available to all United States residents. Go to fantasysportsmarkets.com today. You know, I was mentioning Madden playing with my son, which you can uh, enter to win on Fantasy Sports Markets. He's nine, and we played Madden last night. He was kind of like, come on, all day. We want to play Madden. I said, okay, fine. And every time I take the Seahawks, because I'm a terrible Madden player, so I figure I'll let the defense work on its own because sure. I, I can't do anything. But last year I said I, he wanted to mix it up a little bit, so I took the Giants. And first of all, he torched me. I figured the Giant uh-huh. defense would be okay, and he torched me. But the thing is, he torched me with Clive Walford. Just Ooh. wrecked me. Like, wow. And, and he kept going to Clive Walford because I'm thinking, oh, he's going to throw a Cooper and Crabtree the whole game. And Clive Walford had like 150 yards receiving. It was, it was He was making a statement. And Latavius Murray caught six <laughs> passes for 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, oh, I, man, that's not good. I didn't think that was possible. No, he was making a statement against you there. It was, player, it was a Madden player skill there, not the, um, the actual NFL player. Yeah, he was, he was basically saying, I'm going to beat you with my third and fourth options. Try to stop me. <laughs> right. Dad, I'll fight you with my hand tied behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk tight ends a little bit before we go. Um, we talk a lot 
about the guys up top, Gronk, Kelsey, Reed, Olsen, whatever. Let's go to the low-end tight end one range on some guys. Um, Zach Ertz is going 10th at tight end. I, I could see myself, if I don't invest early, which I generally would rather not. I wound up taking Kelsey at the end of a third round in a draft a couple weeks ago or a week ago. But Zach Ertz, last two years, 75 and 78 catches. Why, why are we all... I feel like we're always, always trying to talk ourselves out of Zach Ertz. Do you agree? Yeah, I think, I think that often is the case. I think this might be the first year it's really merited. He's averaged 102 targets his three years in the league. And like you said, very impressive catch totals. But they finally have some other guys who can catch the football on the team. And that hasn't been the case in the past. They basically were devoid of good pass catchers. Mm -hmm. So Ertz took a volume-based role. He only had 11.5 yards per reception, which I know it's decent. But at the end of the day, they're going to throw the ball to Jeffrey a lot more. Maybe Torrey Smith gets involved. We're hearing the buzz about Nelson Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. And I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna diversify the offense a little bit. I don't know how Ertz sees that same volume and puts up the numbers he did. He's being drafted based on his previous performance. I don't see him sustaining it because he's not the number one guy anymore. Okay. Um I don't know. Tight end ten. I don't know. I think I might like to take the next guy. Martellus Bennett in Green Bay. What do you, I feel like people are making – look, the price is not bad as the 11th tight end. But everybody – I feel like everybody's eyes got big when Martellus Bennett went there. And I'm like, well, I mean, he was with the Patriots. And I know Gronk was there. But even when Gronk was out, it's not like he was a superstar. Uh, are, are we over – I think we're overstating Martellus Bennett's situation here. What, what do you think of Martellus Bennett? Maybe we are overstating it, but last year he had a painful ankle injury that he played the whole season through. So he had a very difficult time getting any separation. So it was really a rough year for him. But first thing is, Bennett's played full 16 games in four of the last five years. But here, during those four seasons, here's his average stat line. 66 receptions, 751 yards, and six touchdowns. It's pretty good. Now he gets Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Now, right. Rodgers will target that tight end, especially in the red zone, quite a bit. And he's a massive target down there. Okay. Um, all right. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how he doesn't get 10 touchdowns. We, we, I, I just don't know how it doesn't happen. And where he's being drafted, as I was saying about some other guys, we don't need stardom. We just need solid production. So maybe, okay, may, 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 you, you're bringing up a good point. You're making me rethink Martellus Bennett a little bit. The last guy I want to talk about is someone who's going ahead of both the guys we mentioned. Um, Hunter Henry. I, like, I actually had Hunter Henry a lot last year. I was picking him up during the season when who, who knows who got hurt. But um, now, you know, you're, you're not getting any discount on Hunter Henry. He's going as the eighth tight end ahead of Delaney Walker, just behind Kyle Rudolph, who caught 83 passes last season. Are, are we asking for too much too soon from Hunter Henry? You know, I think we are. I, I think last year when both Gates and Henry were on the field, which was a number of times, I think defenses still were locking down on Gates. They were most concerned with stopping him. And I think Henry took full advantage of that. And I think Henry also caught the lead by surprise, even when he was on the field without Gates, and that he wasn't really being accounted for. 
And and I think that a he's not a surprise anymore. I do agree that Gates will fade away now. Gates has to be about done, so he should get opportunity. But Keenan Allen's back. Travis Benjamin played with a PCL injury much of the season, and he should be healthy and have a little more chemistry with Rivers. And Tyrell Williams broke out. So I don't know what kind of target share Henry actually gets this year. Right. And now he's not a surprise to defenses anymore. So as tight end eight, I'm out. Yeah. If he was tight end 13 or 14, sure. The price is too high. Yeah, see, because I'm looking at Henry, and, I mean, I like him. And I liked it. I was excited to watch him last year. But to what you said about the receivers, you know, maybe Benjamin's healthy and Williams, okay. And poor, too bad about Mike Williams. And that, that's, you know, not going to affect things most likely. But Allen's back. And Gates, look, I, I, Gates is old. And I hate drafting old guys. But, I mean, I, I bet Gates catches 40 passes. So, sure, so, sure. so, so that, that puts a dent in Hunter Henry. You know, and he might catch some red zone. I mean, that's just, you know, to be expected almost with game. I mean, he doesn't have to catch a lot, but maybe he catches five or six touchdowns. I don't know. I mean, he's going to be on the field some. So, yeah, I, I just think there's, there's too much that can go wrong with this Hunter Henry investment. Agreed. All right. Absolutely agreed. All right, everybody, listeners to this podcast can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That's going to let you check out nearly, nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Jim, this has been fun again. Um, thanks a lot. And please tell everybody what you're going to be working on, uh, let's say, this week and next, other than watching endless preseason football. Well, well, that is what it is. I, I mean, literally, I'll watch every preseason game, thanks to having the NFL Network and all that good stuff. But um, I, it, getting the mental data points means a lot. And I know people, a lot of people throw preseason away. But I want to see what kind of usage some of the players might get on certain downs and specific packages. So that's the big deal. I also do write the Rotowire NFL training camp blog on Friday and Sunday, so I try to get a little bit out of information and a little insight on that, which I love doing that. And then keep working on the IDP stuff, because that's my new role with Rotowire. All right. Um, and those training camp blogs, everybody, really, really good. You should definitely check them out. Also, okay, Jim, I'm going to put you on the spot. One player that you're really looking forward to watching this week in the preseason. I want to see Leonard Fournette. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I want. I just want to see at his first opportunity if he's as great as the community thinks he is. Okay. I, I'm. I am looking forward to seeing Leonard Fournette too. I'll say that much. Um, all right, everyone. If you like this podcast, we would obviously appreciate it, as we say every day, if you would leave us a review and a rating. That's going to be it for this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football pod- Podcast. I'm stumbling there. Sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode is going to be coming on Wednesday. So please come on back then for more great fantasy football draft prep information. For Jim Coventry, I'm John Halpin. Thank you for listening.